You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek Podcast. This episode presented by Associate Minister Joel Snibson. Today's reading is from Mark 16, verses 1 to 8. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, Who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, have you had a moment where you're exposed and humiliated, full of shame, and just wanted to be swallowed up by the ground? I remember I was in year nine and had falling out with a close friend, and I certainly didn't handle things well, and things got ugly quickly, and people took sides, and another friend confronted me and full-on yelled, screamed at me in front of everyone. Picture it. It was lunchtime. It felt like the whole school was there, or at least the whole year level. They're frozen, staring at me. My heart was racing. And so I just turned around, didn't even get my bag. I walked out of school, got on a tram and went straight home. (laughs) I was sick for a few days. I hid. I hid away in shame. See, going back to school felt like my worst nightmare. My mind was consumed. What did people think? What were people saying? Has something happened and your weakness and failures have been exposed and you felt so much shame, you literally wanted to quit your job, move schools, quit that team, pack up and move away to some tropical island where Absolutely nobody knows you and you start afresh. Well, if you haven't experienced this, how about at the end of the year? Have you wanted to wipe the slate clean, draw a line in the sand and eagerly wanting to start the new year with new beginnings? Remember the feeling of New Year's Eve in 2020 and 2021. Seeing the exhaustion of our broken expectations and promises Uh, 
Sure. If you haven't experienced this, how about at the end of the year, you've wanted to wipe the slate clean, draw a line in the sand and eagerly wanting a fresh start of new beginnings. Remember the feeling of New Year's Eve in 2020, 2021. See, in the exhaustion of our broken expectations, promises, relationships, the shame of our failures, hardships coming out of nowhere, we all want the promise of a new day. On Good Friday, we remembered how Jesus was crucified on a Roman cross between criminals. Jesus, the perfect spotless one, was insulted, mocked, spat on, stripped naked, publicly shamed to take our stains in our place. As Christians, we are cross-centered people in gratitude for what Jesus has achieved for us. Yet today on Resurrection Sunday, there can be a risk of seeing Jesus' resurrection as God's rubber stamp of authenticating everything that happened on Good Friday. This Easter day, let's not just reduce Jesus' resurrection to a footnote in the Easter story. The empty tomb has cosmic implications. It's more glorious than anyone anticipated. The resurrection of Jesus marks the beginning of a glorious new creation where we're given new beginnings. See, the resurrection meets our weaknesses and failure. Back to the Easter story. At a distance, witnessing the horrors of the crucifixion were these three women who had cared for Jesus during his ministry, Mary Magdalene, Mary, mother of James, and Salome. See, Pilate handed Jesus' body over to Joseph of Arimathea, and he wrapped him in linen and placed him in the tomb. And again, there witnessing Jesus' burial was two of these same three women. And the events of Easter Sunday morning, again, surround these same women who brought spices so they might go and anoint Jesus' body. Sabbath was over and given the horrors of what just happened, they wanted to do something. In their minds, Jesus was still dead, his body there. See, in our culture, we outsource death to funeral homes to handle out of sight. Dead bodies quickly decompose and smell, so the women took on the confronting task of bringing spices to lessen the offensive smell. But notice these women, overwhelmed in grief, hadn't even thought through how they'd get into Jesus' tomb. Verse 3, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? And notice who is absent other than Jesus' body. Where are Jesus' disciples, his closest friends, nowhere to be found? While the woman had showed up, the men had gone missing. I enjoy a good murder mystery. Recently, I've been watching Only Murders in the Building. And in murder mysteries, crimes that are too perfectly covered up, too neat, too planned for, smell suspicious, and in the end get exposed. See, real life is messy, people are weak, things get missed. See, in Matthew, the chief priests tried to frame the disciples, bribing soldiers to say that the disciples came at night to steal Jesus' body while they were sleeping. And this was a different time, and it seems misogynistic 
But if the disciples were going to fabricate events, your only key witnesses wouldn't be women, especially one having a dodgy background. A woman's testimony wasn't even legally binding in court. See, Easter Sunday meets the weaknesses and failure of the disciples. No genuine witness could identify them because they had bailed, fearful they'll be next to be killed. See, the Jesus movement looks all but done here. The leader executed by the Romans, the disciples nowhere to be seen. Consider Peter's headspace. After publicly disowning Jesus three times when it counted the most, overwhelmed facing his weaknesses in disowning Jesus to endure the crucifixion all alone, Peter hid in shame. See, like Peter, our fear and shame causes us to hide. This isn't new in Genesis 3. The first humans facing their sin and shame foolishly attempted to hide from God. On Friday, Tim spoke about the difference between false shame, shame imposed by others, and shame that actually is awareness of our stains. Maybe like me or Peter, you've had a moment of deep shame. You've been exposed amongst those you respect, drinking too much on a Saturday night and you've humiliated yourself, or your anger has been unleashed in front of loved ones, exposing an ugly side and you can't look them in the eye like before. Maybe you've been exposed of having a love for that idol that's causing misplaced priorities impacting your relationships. But even those stains that we keep hidden from others, Knowing that God sees, has shame caused you to stop coming to him in prayer? See, fear and shame makes us hide. And we go to lengths to conceal our stains from others, not wanting them to see our dirt. And we hide maintaining our gardens, our appearances, achieving our fitness goals. We hide behind our work reputations or dad jokes or behind a full social calendar. Yet the stains remain. Yet it's among the darkness of the cross, the weakness and failure of these absent hiding disciples and frazzled, overwhelmed women, the resurrection breaks in. See, the resurrection is glory of a new day. See, Mark doesn't go into much detail, but he highlights that this is the beginning of a new day. Very early on the first day of the week, it was just after sunrise. And Jesus was on the cross. Darkness had come over the whole land, and that had now given way to a sunrise, a glorious new day. Something new and glorious was happening, verses 4 to 6. But when they looked up, they saw the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away and they entered the tomb and they saw a young man dressed in white robes sitting on the right side and they were alarmed. Well, fair enough. This large stone had been rolled away and they encountered God's angelic messenger sitting where Jesus' body was meant to be. Without being ageist, the description of his youth and gleaming white garments is a picture of perfection and glory. This is not a normal day. Something glorious has happened. 
See, God's messenger reassures the fearful women. Verse 6, don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. Jesus is not here. He has risen. In the original grammar, he has been raised, is in the passive tense, meaning God has powerfully acted. God has rolled the stone away. God has raised the crucified Jesus to new life, a glorious new day. The resurrection was so epic, it shattered everything that they knew. And the resurrection confirms Jesus' identity backing up everything Jesus said is true. See, in the Gospels, Jesus makes claims to be more than a teacher. He makes these epic claims to forgive sin, having the same authority as God. See, the risen Jesus confirms that he is the Son of God, the one with all power and authority, God himself. See, rising again, Jesus is the Messiah they had been waiting for, the King of a better world. And all that God was doing to save the world through Israel in the Old Testament was now achieved through this risen Jesus with cosmic implications. In the sequel of Avatar, The Way of Water, they came out late last year. But in the original uh, from 2009, the story goes, well, the humans were giving up and leaving Earth, which was being destroyed by pollution and war. So they ventured elsewhere for a fresh new start. And discovering the planet Pandora, they discover a whole new creation, a better reality and also the lure of expensive minerals to mine. So the scientists create avatars which were hybrids of aliens and humans to explore this whole new world. And the main character, Jake, well, he's injured and can't use his legs, but he is able to sign up for as an operator in Pandora. And there's this scene where he arrives and takes in the breathtaking beauty and wonder of this whole new world. This clearly isn't an ordinary day. He's captivated by the hope of this better world. See, the resurrection was the dawning of our new creation. Mark highlights this is a new day. Jesus' resurrection is an invitation to be part of Jesus' better new reality, a better creation. See, in Jesus' day, many Jews believed in the resurrection on the last day. Yet Jesus rising from the dead here meant his new creation had began with the empty tomb. See, God made our world good, not to be given up on like in Avatar, Jesus' resurrection guarantees of a day where this creation will be made new and gloriously transformed into a new heaven and earth. Jesus rising from the dead promises of a new day where this world will be renewed from our experience and freedom from our reality stained by sin and death, where there's wars and corruption, there's destruction of our environment, there's sickness. This will all be done away with. See, Jesus' resurrection brings in a new day, not only for this created world, but in us. 
Notice in verse 7, God's messenger instructs the women to tell the disciples of this good news, but also separately names Peter. Peter wasn't more important than the others, and I suspect that he is named because he carried the most shame. See, God's messenger was reassuring Peter that his devastating denials weren't beyond redemption. See, the resurrection gives certainty of our new beginnings. And just like the women approaching the tomb, facing the horrors of sin and death, we can be left despondent, facing our stains of failure and weakness. And it's in both the death and resurrection of Jesus that we're given full assurance that we're forgiven, cleansed, saved. 1 Corinthians 15, 14, And if it... If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. See, no matter how shameful our failures this Easter, stains that make us just want to hide, no matter those internal or other voices that condemn us saying that we're too horrible, too addicted, too flawed, too unworthy to be loved and belong, the empty tomb declares Jesus' victory over this sin and shame. In the risen Jesus guarantees us of new beginnings where our stained rags have been exchanged with pure, radiant, white robes like that of the angel. Though our sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Friends, in the risen Jesus, you are clothed in his righteousness and honour. Despite everything, we are reconciled back to God where we are loved and welcome home as his children. And the Apostle Paul puts it like this in 2 Corinthians 5. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. A glorious new day we are made new. See, the resurrection means new beginnings with new power. See, after encountering the glory of the empty tomb and the messenger, it seems that these women aren't empowered but completely powerless. In verse 8, fe uh, fearful and bewildered, they didn't say a thing to anyone and they seemed to ignore God's messenger. So some can be harsh on these women. But even their immediate reaction certainly wasn't indifference to the risen Jesus. Their keeping silence wasn't only fear, they were bewildered, astonished, full of awe that this is someone too glorious to comprehend all at once. See, looking at the other Gospels to fill in the gaps, the women do report this good news to the 11 apostles who don't believe them, who do go on to see the empty tomb for themselves and personally encounter the risen Jesus in Galilee. How are we going to respond to the risen Jesus this Easter? If Jesus offers us his new creation and fresh beginnings, the worst thing we can do is be indifferent and treat it like any other day. If Jesus is alive, he is Lord and this changes everything. See, the resurrection brings new perspective of who this Jesus is. And like the women, we haven't personally seen the risen Jesus. But if you are seeking answers, investigate Jesus in the Gospels. 
These are historical eyewitness accounts of those who saw him and touched him and ate with him. And like God's messenger said, see the place where they laid him. God has acted in human history to raise Jesus and bring us his new creation. Something gloriously real, even uh, even if it's unseen by us. But the empty too demands more than an intellectual belief. We're invited to encounter the power of the resurrection in our lives. See, when uh, we were new parents, I remember being caught off guard when we dressed up Hannah uh, for a party in a nice dress and were horrified as she would cover the dress in stains from top to bottom and would only have a spare jumpsuit to put her in. So we would wise up and for future parties would have another clean, spotless dress ready on hand to change her into preempting how things would go. See, the cross shows that we can't deal with the stains of our sin and shame ourselves. It humbles our boasting. It shows our great need for Jesus. But without the resurrection encountering our stains, we can be left self-loathing and insecure, fixated on our unworthiness, where we don't see Jesus' risen power in our lives and nothing much changes and the same stains keep on appearing. But Hannah is growing and developing, and I'm finding at more recent parties, because her coordination is improved and the food with sauce is making it to her mouth and not her dress, there are fewer and fewer stains and changes needed. Friends, Easter Sunday deals with our shame, but it goes further, promises of a new power to transform us from the inside out. Just consider how this named Peter is made new, given a fresh start by the risen Jesus. He goes on from denying Jesus, fearful of strangers' opinions, hiding in shame, to enacts to boldly leading this early church, risking his life preaching the risen Jesus. Peter became one of the most significant leaders and missionaries in the early church, courageously starting new churches and making disciples among new people among all nations. It's a dramatic transformation. And in 1 Peter 1, he says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. See, encountering the risen Jesus, Peter once defined by hiding in shame, became defined by this living hope, genuine hope of new beginnings. And that means we need a power within so we constantly don't fall into the same failures making us want to hide. So what changes in Peter? Well, he says new birth, he receives the Spirit's power. So if you buy a new car, you pay a deposit to the dealer for the new car. You have certainty that a day will come when you'll get the keys and get behind the wheel and the car will be yours. Well, the Holy Spirit is our deposit. It's our guarantee that our new creation has come and that we have new beginnings with the risen Jesus. Jesus' risen power is making us new, just like Peter, 
The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is making us new. And this hope is promises for the future, but also power for the present for our new life with Jesus. See, if you're a Christian, you know that we don't live in utopia. It's not like all our sins and problems just go away. And the Spirit's work in us isn't all at once. The Spirit gently and patiently makes us new, often working on one thing at a time. Our growth is often slow and it's hard to see. Even with Peter, with the Spirit, he goes on to make mistakes. In Galatians, he is corrected by Paul. But like in Avatar, we are living between two worlds or realities. See, living here, we continue at times to experience the stains of our sins and failures. At times, we need to receive Jesus' white robes of forgiveness once more. We endure, we, here, we endure pain of suffering and frustration of living in this world. But because of Jesus' victory over sin and death, the Spirit gives us certain hope that we too will be raised to new life. We anticipate a day that we will experience the glory of our new creation in full. This Easter, may our risen hope, the promise of new beginnings, shape our daily lives, giving us new perspective facing our weaknesses and failures. Raised for, with Christ means we don't have to hide from God or others. We're no longer defined by our shame. We are forever dressed in the white robe of purity and honour. But knowing that we are being made new by the Spirit's power, instead of hiding in our stains, we can confidently share our weaknesses and failures with each other. We can boldly ask for prayer for even those most painful stains, you know, our character issues, addictions, idols, knowing they no longer define us. I recently caught up with that person who publicly yelled at me in your nine. We can now laugh about it. We actually are now really great friends. Because of Jesus' risen power, he's making us new. But it's not just us, but it's others too. And we means we give others second chances for those who hurt us. In our relationships, when people around us fail, we don't constantly bring it up. We don't define others by their stains. See, the risen Jesus is empowering us to better love at home, to be light at work, to serve his church, to care for the poor, to make Jesus known in our communities. This Easter, we have the glory of a new day. The risen Jesus marks the start of his new creation, offering us new beginnings. Instead of hiding in shame, we now have risen hope and power. Jesus is making us new. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek.